Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. Hi everyone, hot week in Dubai, over 50 degrees, but plenty of time for business. There were funding announcements for companies called Get Outfit, GrowDash and Yalla Hub, all on Smashy Business social media and website. You can find out about them there. Yalla Hub were a previous guest of this show as well. Uh, I attended an event with the Ministry of Human Resources and Emirates where they announced 79,000 Emirates have joined the private sector with a lot more to come with further initiatives for the SME sector as well. There was also the premiere of Oppenheimer at Real Cinemas last night in Amar's uh, Dubai Mall, brought to you by MAF Distribution. It's an amazing uh, movie. I highly recommend check it out. But before you do, listen to this week's interview because it's a good one too. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today, I'm with Luai Al-Fakir. He's the CEO of Provident Real Estate. They are a one-stop shop for all things real estate. They started actually in 2008, so over 15 years ago, and they've gone on to become one of the top five agencies in the city with a diverse portfolio. So we'll be hearing all about how the business was conceptualized, uh, the real estate market in Dubai and across the UAE, and what's next for Provenant. Hi, hi, Luay, good morning. Hi, Richard. Thank you for inviting. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Provenant. Uh, so Provident uh, was set up in 2008 in August, just uh, before the uh, uh, crash that happened. Uh, I've been, I came to the city in 2005 and I was a broker myself. Actually, I started first in a marketing agency and the owner of that agency uh, opened a real estate agency. And, you know, Dubai was starting to boom. The real estate market was booming. And I was like, you know what, this is something I'd love to get into. So I spoke to him about it and he shifted me to uh, his real estate brokerage company. I worked there and, you know, when I was young, my father had his own business and his own company. So I was always inspired that one day I'm going to have my own business too. I was one of his top sales agents or brokers, whatever you want to call it. And then by the time I decided I wanted, you know, to do the big move myself, I set up, got an office, did decoration, started hiring people. And then you had that Lehman Brothers uh, crash. And in Dubai, I remember at that time, like uh, we thought, you know, we were immune to the world economies, that it's not going to hit us and everything was, you know, happy and dandy and everything's going to keep on going well and better and the city's growing. But when the Lehman Brothers happened, I remember everything just went quiet and dead. No one was buying. People were leaving the city at that time because it was an international crisis. Um, so, you know, I had set up the company, didn't know what to do, started doing rentals, the bare minimum. Uh, I tried to be different back then, the agency and the market, everyone was on print media. Uh, there was very little real estate agencies with their own like websites and you have Property Finder and Dubizzle at that time were just starting to grow and get momentum. And they had that listing section of properties. So I started listing on portals, fixing uh, my website, driving traffic, doing some paid ads, doing SEO, creating landing pages, you know, for the different uh, areas of Dubai. And slowly, slowly, the market started recovering quite fast. You know, like Dubai got hit fast, but I feel got, it recovered quite fast 
uh, two. So within like 2000, end of 2009, 2010, things started getting better. And then in 2011, we had the Arab Spring. So we had a, a wave of Arabs moving over here. And then it started and kicked off. And because we were focused on digital, it was kind of like a unique. And then everyone started to move in. And, you know, we started growing the company and stuff. And that was a sort of provident real estate. And today we're like a group of companies and we offer a one-stop shop. So where we have a mortgage uh, company, which is Premier. We have a holiday home company called Prime Stay. Uh, we have a maintenance company. We have a snagging and inspection company. We have 811, which uh, we help people do company setups, uh, to get their golden visa applied for, uh, opening bank accounts. So, you know, when you come to us, it's a holistic approach. Uh, you don't leave us, you become part of the family, you know. Mm. And um, and things slowly as time passed, you know, the market developed and grew and matured and got more regulated. And look where we are today, one of the most uh, grow, growing cities in the world today. Everyone's moving over to Dubai, the millionaires from billionaires around the world are moving to Dubai and we've had a great time since after COVID. Yeah, yeah. you're right, you're right. And I'll talk a little bit more about that because how you described the sort of uh, bounce back from the 2008, which we almost don't talk about anymore, seems like similar to how quickly Dubai responded to, to COVID. Uh, but just a little bit more about the company first. So uh, that's amazing that you have all those branches. Are they independent? Are they on their... You know, is it uh, different services that you offer people or are they in the market themselves competing with their own teams and uh, how does it work? So they're separate licenses, a uh, majority of them, like the mortgage companies are separate license. Property management is actually under the Provident license. Uh, the holiday home is a separate license. So some of them are separate. Some are under the Provident branch, but obviously they're under the same ownership and they are you know, some of the management are interlinked in between the two. Uh, yeah. So that's how we structured it. Some of them have even different offices. And uh, Provident Real Estate, so what's your core, is the core business, uh, you know, selling at buying, selling property or rentals or is it uh, commercial or retail? Or? So majority of Provident is, I would say, more of a residential company. Of course, we do commercial, but our strength lies in the residential particularly the off-plan and the secondary market. We're probably one of the most awarded real estate companies throughout all the years from all the major developers of Amar, Miras, Shoba, Damak, Habtour. I mean, I can continue naming them all, even the smaller developers year on year for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years. And mm. every quarter we're getting awards. So I wouldn't say we're number one all the time, but we're always in the top five, top 10 year on year, quarter on quarter, I mean, that's for me a success story by itself, the consistency of the business, because you've got companies that come around, they win a couple of awards, and then you never hear about them, or you never see them again, or they're winning an award with a certain developer. Uh, we're across the board, and we're quite strong in the secondary market, particularly, I would say, the freehold areas, the main freehold areas, which is downtown, Business Bay, um, Palm Jumeirah, Dubai Marina, JBR, Emirates Living, Arabian Ranches, the key areas where the main business lies, I guess. And it's, it's mainly on the selling side rather than rental. You see, makes... our rentals been focused more today on the property management. Yeah. So we have a lot of properties that we manage. I think over 680 properties under our management. 
uh, they tend to handle the rentals, particularly right now in this market because it's such a hot market. I always advise my agent, just focus on the sales. Why would you want to be doing a rental? So we've kept it kind of for property management. Yeah, you have the odd agent that because his, his client bought from him, wants to lease it out, he does it. But we're more focused on the, on the sales and currently right now. Interesting. And when, when you say the secondary market and the off plan, is there a specific... Uh, is there a way that you got good at that? Is there? How did you carve out that niche? Uh, I mean, it was it came naturally, I guess. Uh, Dubai, because there's so much uh, developments coming on board, and developers are contacting you and pushing you to promote their products. And I enjoy I enjoy the marketing aspect of the business too. And when it comes to the off plan internationally, what they would call under construction or new build. Uh, it's quite fun, like creating like a great marketing campaign to attract people to make an inquiry and then how you present the product to them and get them to purchase a property. I mean, we're selling properties even on Zoom. Uh, some clients that have purchased property from us don't even have not even been to Dubai. Do you know what I mean? And that, and you're like buying a property. Could you really imagine that? And it's happening today. And I think that's like really exciting. And I think it's only going to get more and more. Um, I mean, even during just over after COVID, we were selling properties by meeting the clients on Zoom, doing mm. a presentation on Zoom. Mm. I mean, that's like really cool, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'll go back to a little bit about how that industry works, because it's fascinating when you see new developments launch and the buzz that they create. Yeah. Uh, but a little bit more about Providence. So uh, what's the size of the, the team that you have? And, you know, when you have agents, is it that uh, are they trained in a certain way? And, and how does that work? Absolutely. So we have approximately just over 200 brokers. We're growing by 15 to 20 brokers per month. Uh, of course, you know, I mean, the industry is not for everyone. It's, it's really cutthroat. So we recruit around 20 to 25 people per month. So we have a training academy in the office. Uh, it's run by Natalie. Um, she's head of uh, training and growth, and she's got a team with her. So we train them on, you know, uh, the soft skills, the hard skills, the product knowledge, the company uh, culture, the systems, the processes, and all of this. And we also have a trainer that comes in, and he was one of the people that created the Emirates Academy and also even the Demac Academy. So he comes and does a lot of training with us on, you know, different mind skills about the left brain, the right brain, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, from the 25, 18 make it, 20 make it. The reason why not all of them make it, maybe they don't show up on time, they don't come on time, so we're particular about, you know, who we're hiring. And after that, people just, they think, you know, real estate is easy money, so they join and they want to come and make the easy buck, but it's not, you know. Uh, real estate is like a 24-hour job. you got to work Fridays, Saturdays, viewing meetings, uh, and it's a lot of work. And, and when they realize it's not as easy as they thought it was, they drop off. So we end up having 10 to 15 that stay within that three, four period. If they make that three, four months, they just do really, really well. Because it usually takes like, I would say, two to three months to do your first deal. And when you do that first deal, you get really inspired to work more and do a lot more. And then that, the journey starts, I guess. Do you say, uh, are you involved in the recruitment? And over the years, have you had a good eye at picking what it takes to make a good agent? You know, that, that's quite a funny question. I mean, I am involved a little bit, not so much as I did before. I've made loads of mistakes. You know, sometimes you meet someone and, you know, it's like 
they keep they say the right things and you're like wow this guy's gonna smash it he's well dressed and then the first day he starts he comes in not well dressed and he's not showing up to the office he's not doing what he needs to do and he was all talk and then you've got people that come in and they surprise you and you think you know um oh, they're okay let's see oh they're gonna make it and they make it mm. um it's quite interesting uh, but we we do ask a lot of behavioral questions uh, lately. The the team, the HR team, the recruitment team. I mean, we've been fixing the way we recruit, so we ask a lot of behavioral questions. We test them out. Like, you know, when we we make them meet, uh, stay in a certain room before we bring them in for an interview, and we keep an eye out them if they're engaging with anyone else, um, if they're coming in late, how they're coming in, how they're sitting down. Uh, so there are little techniques that the recruitment team have designed in order to like qualify better um, brokers to hire. And I've seen the improvement like every month since the last like eight months. I've seen like the team that's joined this month has been better than the team before and the team before and the team before. So it's working for yeah. us. It's fascinating. Also, Dubai is known for it as well. Like there was... An influencer on the show yesterday and her background isn't in real estate i think dancing or some sort of entertainment and when she moved to dubai she got into real estate oh interesting so it's it, it, it's because when she got here she was told it's a good career to yeah. start off here so it does attract all all backgrounds Correct. as well i mean in my office we've got we've got we've had we have a pilot there was an emirates pilot that's broker we've got nurses we've got ex-bankers we've got uh ex-emirates crew X everything possible that you can imagine mm. get into this industry yeah. because you know uh, being a broker is like being an entrepreneur uh, you are a brand become yourself you have to build your brand to attract the clients and you all go out and network and get knowledgeable do you get what I mean so it's it's kind of it can be open for everyone obviously yeah and a little bit about you you know you mentioned that it was interesting about that your dad was in the business and yeah um and that jump that you made like how was it in dubai in 2005 2008 like how exciting was it then was it booming and also was it hard to do the things uh now that it would take to start a business back then look i do think in, in some aspects it's getting harder and some aspects getting easier you know there's both ways i mean when i came to dubai i mean what brought me to dubai i remember i just graduated i was in, in university in london and my uncle called me he's like uh you know do you want to come to saudi arabia and i'm like ah oh, saudi arabia i'm not really that interested he's like dubai and i remember hearing about dubai i'm like dubai you know what i would consider that so i went back to cyprus where i grew up and i worked for my dad for a little bit and then i was like thinking i kept on thinking about dubai 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 and back then it was the Burj Al Arab you know Burj Khalifa wasn't built downtown wasn't built nothing was built and I'm like you know what let me fly there and see what it is and I remember I flew down and I came and I stayed in Dera area which is Dera you know how Dera is back then but then we drove out of the road and we got on Sheikh Zayed road and I could just see the buildings on both sides and I'm like wow in the Arab world they have this it's like Europe or the US but in the Arab world Guess what? I was like thinking, this is where I want to be. And Dubai was like still like gradually growing and, you know, everyone was moving. At that time, the population was around 800,000, I think. It was like a lot yeah. smaller than today. We're like 3.9 or 3.8 or a bit more than that even. So it was interesting. I got uh, into, like I told you, the agency, started working in that. And that's afterwards, I was like real estate, you know, I kept wherever you're walking real estate real estate palm jumeirah palm jabal ali projects being launched and i'm like you know what this is what i need to get into which is real estate mm. 
and yeah, started. That's how, that, and you just took the plunge. Uh, so when I ask about the, the business planning and deciding to open up new new business lines, yeah. but, but firstly, you know, obviously in anyone's sort of business journey, especially over 15 years, there's going to be challenges. Absolutely. What were the, as, as well as the sort of extern, external ones, such as COVID and such as uh, the sort of global financial crisis back then, yeah. what were the other challenges that, that you personally faced when navigating and big decisions you had to make? Look, there's always decisions to make, you know, and, you know, everything I've ever done, I used to, you know, I, I read a lot of books. So I was reading Ray Dalio, he's uh, the founder of BlackRock, and something interesting I couldn't forget that he said, and I could relate to a lot, he's like, you know, I used to think, I watch everyone's success, and you would think that it was like smooth sailing. But the reality of it is like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And it was the same my source, hurdle, even the small things, you're like, it's tough. You know, there's hurdles all the time. Like if you're doing an event, how many things can go wrong? The lighting, <laughs> this showing on, the AC not working. Same in every business. And I used to say to myself, is it me? God is upset with me or he's challenging me all the time. But then you realize everyone who's successful has gone through that journey, which is a hurdle after hurdle and problems after problems. And you got to work and solve them and keep on going, right? Mm. And obviously it wasn't smooth sailing. And you know, there were economic factors that were challenges, the 2008 crash, and then you got the Arab Spring and you got regulation changing all the time over here and licensing. Because when I started in the industry, there was no li real licensing. There was no uh, land registration fees. There were no VATs. There were no now, you know, the, the taxes coming up. There were no the rarer body where you have to get trained and all of that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And or the license factors involved in all of this today. So obviously there's internal factors, local factors, uh, the the factors internationally that are affecting you. Say the you know you've got all the buyers coming from the UK and the pound drops. They're not really going to come purchase in Dubai as much as they did before. And that happened in the past. Mm. You know, the pound now is getting stronger and, and they're coming back and buying. And, and these things happen all the time. Interest rates going up affect your business. Now, you know, interests are going up. It's a lot harder to get a mortgage. Is that gonna slow? It hasn't slowed down yet, but potentially if they keep on increasing interest, it may slow the mortgage buyer. So you're always having to see, okay, where can I get find more buyers? Am I going to go do maybe more roadshows? And we are, we've been doing roadshows in Brazil, in Japan, we've been exploring other markets and really? it's, it's done well for us. Yeah. You touched on a lot of um, industry things like regulation and we've heard that on the show before, but it is fascinating to hear it, that it, those things actually weren't there. Those basic things, the regulation things help, you know, obviously uh, it makes a more stable and Correct, yeah. a market that can't be sort of abused as such, but then there's other things that might feel like annoying or extra burden, especially fees, extra fees and things obviously, like that. Obviously, yeah. There's a lot of fees, you know, involved in our in our business uh, coming in, you know, for agents, you got to do their rare course. Their, their training year on year, their visas every two years. I remember when I came to Dubai, the visa was for three years. Now it's for two years, right? Mm. So, you know, there's always changes. Good, you got to adapt to it. But you know what, in, in a way, Dubai, uh, you know, you know, I always say my success is the byproduct of the success of Dubai. And Dubai sure. is a success story. And we got to appreciate the city that we're in that has created us. What have I done or achieved what I've done in Dubai anywhere else? Possibly. But really, Dubai has really pushed us because when you're here, you get inspired by all the people around, 
by Sheikh Mohammed's vision and the city that makes you a better person, I guess, right? Mm. Yeah, and it, as you said, with His Highness, like it, it very much is a sort of a real estate sort of story in terms of how they built the city as well. Yeah. And you've sort of seen that grow. Yeah. What, what were the what were some of the things that surprised you that you thought uh, that, you know, in terms of not just the big sort of iconic buildings, but some of the developments that you've seen go up fast and do well? You know, I mean, the way they develop over here and they launch projects and everything, it's like, I don't think anywhere else in the world are doing what Dubai does. I mean, they're launching projects, like many projects within a week, and we're selling them and selling them out. I mean, people tell me, how do you compare real estate of Dubai anywhere else? I, I think Dubai is an elite by itself today really? i mean what they're able to do and the development i think in the future i don't know 10 years 15 years people are going to look in dubai and want to replicate this model and go look what these guys did how they launch how they sell i mean i mean projects are launching of billions of dollars and are selling out in a few hours how does that it feels bubbly is it, is it because it's so seductive like the launches as you said the the developments look amazing and they yeah. are amazing yeah and they get built so so you know the proof is there it does come through but but it it's feels like if something sells so quickly it feels like bubble you know i used to think that i don't think that in the past was very different so the rules and regulations change when a project it needs to be built first you have to have paid for the full land the past wasn't like that pre-2008 the regulation was completely different. You didn't have escrow accounts. So when someone's purchasing, that money's going to an escrow account that's dedicated for that particular project. And the, the money can only be used to build that product mm -hmm. or that project itself. So the money cannot be moved to different projects. Even now today, when someone's buying, you must have, you have to have paid 40 to 50%. Some developers are even asking for 60% for you to resell that product. So the people who are buying today are not like coming in to flip that property. And you can see also the people moving over here and the demand that's coming over here. I mean, every day we're meeting people. How many, because I told you we have a company called A11 where we do company setups and visas. The inflow of people moving over here, the lifestyle, the safety, the security, you're close to Europe, Africa, Asia within a certain eight hour zone. So it's like we're strategically located in the center of the world in yeah. a way. Do you get what I mean? Uh, Emirates flies direct to anywhere you want. I mean, if you lived in some cities in Europe, anywhere you want to go, you got to take two, three flights. Over here, you got direct flights even to Los Angeles and to Miami. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So the lifestyle is great. You're close to everything. You come here and you're like, why would I want to live anywhere else? If you got money, why would I want to live? It's like Monaco, Miami, LA, but with a safety. Okay, so you're you're selling it. I guess <laughs> I don't have to sell it. No, it's, it sold itself. It has sold itself. <laughs> and, and, no, and I don't want to be negative on because I know that everything's cyclical, but it's really a compliment on Dubai and, and how these projects are launched because it is seductive. It is, yeah. you know, we we see it at all levels. Whether you want your first property or whether you know you're aspirational and you want that villa and now all these different places with lagoons and there's you know parts of Dubai that you never thought were going to be developed yeah. not only are being developed but there's stunning projects in those areas that you're yeah. you know it, it's it's amazing really as, as a as a canvas for developers 100%. so so um but, but so you know from the marketing you're side you're worried about oversupply is that the word well, yeah 
I, I, so I didn't want to talk about like cyclical, but yeah, supply and demand is real, yeah. right? Like we don't need to say whether it's going to affect or not. But like my view on it would be that um, now, especially on the villa side, yeah. and I'm not in the real estate. This is just from a consumer. But I would think that in three, four years time, there's going to be a lot of oversupply, especially with that seven, eight percent interest nearly at the moment. Yeah, there's going to be oversupply on the uh, the villa side of things. I mean, I'll give you the answer easily. Dubai, they uh, they hand over between, depending on the year on year, say between twenty five to seventy five thousand units a year. How many people are moving here per year? Probably more than that. There you go. That's your answer. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? And end of the day, Dubai is not a big place, right? Yeah, okay, we've got the desert. You move, but let's go the beach areas. If you're buying around the beach and downtown and key strategic areas, that's not going to move anywhere right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be here. It's going to continue going up in price. And if you compare Dubai to like other major cities, say Hong Kong, Singapore, or London, wherever you want, the price per square foot is relatively cheap. Yes, we've seen a huge increase, but we're still relatively cheap. So there's still a lot of room for potential growth, I still believe. And even if it corrects itself, that's fine. The market cannot continue going up, you know, in a in a that kind of line. It's going to correct. It might correct 10, 15, 20% maximum, but is it going to continue grow afterwards? Yes, obviously. Yeah. So I'm I'm a firm believer. I invest. I mean, I don't only sell the products. I invest in the products myself. I've been purchasing for a very long time. I have a lot of properties that are in my holiday home company that I own. And I even charge my, my holiday home company, by the way, charges me a fee to manage my <laughs> properties. It's not even done for free, even though I own the company. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Um, so I'm a, a firm believer in the city, uh, in the real estate over here that will continue to grow. Is there going to be corrections? Absolutely. Yeah. There will be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't need to necessarily talk about all that as well. But as you said, like Dubai is as a city is outgrowing, it's, you know, it's continuing to grow. So if you believe in the city, then industries yeah. can prosper. But just a little bit about the the choices of the different business units that you set up uh, in the context of uh, disruption, right? So when you opened a real estate firm 15 years ago, it was a very different world in terms Correct. of digital and everything like that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I often think about this in different sectors, in media and law, you know, should you, is there any um, should you open a business that looked like our parents' businesses? And the, yeah, the world's changing, right? I mean, uh, for us, even right now, you've got AI coming up, and if you're not on the AI game or doing something with AI, you're going to be left behind. I mean, we're using it for our marketing, we're using it for our copy, our content, and everything. For me, AI today is like you know, you had the industrial revolution, how the world changed, and then you had the, the dot com internet boom. And today you got AI, and I think that's going to be like elevating and changing the world. And you got to be dynamic and change. Um, obviously, all businesses are dying. I mean, look at print media; it's almost dead. If, if it's city, not dead, yeah. do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to die. Uh, everything's like that. Even real estate is going to change. And even the way we we market and how we engage with our clients and our services, obviously, we're having to adapt. Uh, to it. I mean, look at brokers today. They have their own social platforms and Insta page are using YouTube to market themselves and reach out to clients all around the world, which is different before you would be knocking on doors trying to get listings, right? That's I mean, true. Who's going to be knocking on doors? Most real estate, you know, your typical real estate companies in the UK are, you know, uh, high street shops. Think that's going to die too. I mean, like people go digital and even the company is provident. I've always thought of it as a digital agency 
Uh, this is why we only have three branches. And they're not retail, even though we have one retail branch, which is in the Palm. But I was like, okay, it's nice to have retail. You want to have that exposure. But the business model is not a retail model. It's a digital model. And uh, yes, it will be adaptive and it will change. Mm. I mean, my marketing team back then, you'd have like one, two people in your marketing team. Today, I have like 16 people. I mean, that's like the size of an agency. Just my marketing team for my, my one business for Provident. Of course, they do other work for the other companies, but I even outsource the work because sometimes we have an overflow of work. Yeah, fascinating. So some of the businesses, uh, particularly interested in the holiday home, because that was a trend a few years ago in terms of demand for longer term rentals. But in any of these businesses, did you have to make significant investment to get them off the ground? Or was it more uh, meeting a demand from your existing customers? It, luckily, it was meeting a demand from our customers. Actually, you know, what's funny. So from my holiday home company, we used to use services of the cleaning companies, right? And they were just doing a very bad service. I mean, they would have to, like we had a client checking out at 12 o'clock, someone checking in at two, and they would show up at two o'clock and the clients would be upset. So ended up setting up a cleaning company. Okay. And immediately the cleaning company today has 60 employees. We've got three vans and servicing obviously only our clients and we've been making money since month one. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting, right? And even Prime State, the holiday home company, majority of our properties came because of our clients from Provident Real Estate. That's been, uh, you know, like we tell them, okay, why don't you, you want to get higher ROI? Why don't you put your property in holiday homes? All we've got to do is furnish it. We'll manage it for you. What are the key benefits are? Uh, you're not stuck with a tenant if you want to sell the property. Uh, the rental ROI is uh, higher. If you want to use it, say you're on holiday and you want to use it a week or two in a year, you can come and use it. So there's a lot of more benefits than the negatives, and people shifted to it. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So that's, I would say quite lucky, but obviously uh, it's not easy to set up if you don't have a background, say, in cleaning services, it's not easy to get that quality right from the start. Obviously, like obviously. But we, I mean, we got the right people. You got to always hire and find the right people. And I think in anything that I've done is finding the right key people to do it. And, you know, you got to find people who are better than you in the things that you know. And going again a little bit about the digital disruption, like was there any ever a time when you saw, say, portals set up and things like that that thought, oh, that's either going to be a threat to my business or we should be doing that or let's work with them? You see, we, we work with a lot with portals. A lot of our business does come from the portals. Do I see them as a threat? Unfortunately, in some way, maybe I do so because, you know, in the U.S., they tried the portal became a real estate company, Zillow. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, Zillow, yeah. Uh, they tried to attempt, Zillow. I think, in Australia also. So in a way, as they're growing and they're adapting to their environment and we're adapting to our environment, there's always going to be that uh, maybe threat. But, you know, I always see things also like right now we're working on uh, we're redeveloping our website anyways. And we're driving a lot of traffic there. And, you know, YouTube's become we got a lot of business from YouTube, people watching our videos and clicking the links. You got Facebook ads, you got Google search ads, landing pages, TikTok. We generate leads. We've, we're closing big deals from TikTok, by the way. Can you imagine that? I, I, I'm not anything with TikTok. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but how, how does that work? I mean, we, we've created like, OK, we, we have a TikTok channel where we got our content guys. They create content and we get followers, but we create also TikTok ads. Oh, yeah. And we generate leads and we've like closed like really, really good deals from TikTok, Snapchat. We've brought influencers to come do stories and they tag us and we've done business. So unique ways 
of doing business, you get it. Yeah. And so, but you never thought, hey, I'm going to become a technology company. Like you believe in the services sides and you understand the margins around that. And then you've got all these different business. We're arms. using the technologies. Like, for example, ChatGPT, we use it. You know, yeah. uh, we use it to get our content up and all of that. And we're like testing things out for marketing with it too. And I'm sure it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more uh, uses of it as it grows. We're going to be utilizing as much as possible. You know, things are always changing. You need to find the new trends and the new technologies that are going to help change your business. Who would have thought four years ago would be doing something Zooming with a client and doing a presentation and closing deals? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and everything now can happen on digital. Like a lot of the, the real yeah. estate uh, signing documents and all that sort of Correct. stuff. Correct. We do that. We use Signable. A lot of contracts are sent to our clients using Signable. They sign it or DocuSign and they send it back to us digitally. So things you got to adapt to the technologies, right? You got the VR, Apple VR. You know, maybe you can start people putting it on and they walk through the apartment wherever they are. They're in London and they want to buy a property in Dubai. And you send them, put your VR, here's the link. And then you can see an apartment and I can sit down and do a presentation to you in the metaverse mm. and talk to you. You know, you never know. And what, so with, with uh, Provident, with all these different business arms, how do you sort of... Do you have a, how do you manage your management team basically? You see, it's having the right people around you. Some of my businesses, I, I have partners. So like my holiday home, my partner used to be an associate director in Provident and he wanted to set up a holiday home and he and approached me about it. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it together about six years ago now. And the holiday home, I have a partner there and he runs it and he's doing an amazing job. Actually, 811, which is a consultancy company where we do company set up, is actually my CFO approached me and is like, do you want to do that? I'm like, sure. So we set up that company. Yeah. So some of them I've got partners in and some of them I just got the right uh, team members. That's good. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because when you have partners, there's more incentive alignment on Correct. their side. They've got sort of incentive on it. And when you've got complementary, it's more like different business units and Correct. things like that. Yeah, I pivoted from the digital part because I just want to understand a little bit more about how you're steering the company in terms of the different business arms, but then broader the sort of opportunity, you know, Dubai sort of for 15 years, like clearly the city's still growing, you could, mm. you could, you could stay in this city, but you know, with, with someone who knows the region quite well, and even, you know, the UAE, but you, you know, you mentioned uh, you were in Lebanon recently, you mentioned Saudi Arabia in the past. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how do you view the region in terms of uh, opportunity for business? Absolutely. I mean, we're all seeing what's happening in Saudi Arabia right now. It's like an uh, economic revolution uh, with all the projects that they're doing and the changes they're doing. And that's something that we're looking at Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bahrain, the whole region. I mean, for me, uh, I would like to say it. Some people might not like to hear it, but I, I believe this region is in the new world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? People coming here and, you know, being from the safety, the lifestyle and everything. Um, I mean, this is where people are moving to, right? And this is where everything's happening right now. Yeah, and how would you how would you approach that? You know, would you again wait and see where the demand is from your customers, or is there particular things you have your eye on in terms of Saudi geography? Arabia is definitely uh, on the horizon right now, and I've been deeply looking at it, and I want to be traveling a lot more to see what's going on over there. Um, you know, sometimes you know, first uh, first comers are you know uh, the first people who do something are not all the ways the most successful. So I'm waiting to see what's happening there first and how things are set up because the regulation is not there yet as in terms of freehold, expat ownership and all of that. But it will be a fast move, I think, immediately having uh, 
some office in, in, in Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Yeah, the, the developers, the big developers have changed over the years a lot there. And now uh, the initial process was tried to get Saudi nationals mortgages so they could own Correct. property. Yeah. And then, yeah, like I, I think it's only, maybe it was announced recently that very soon foreigners will be able to own property there. I'm sure, I'm sure. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come very, very soon with it before we know it, 100%. I mean, I was in Qatar during the World Cup and, you know, Qatar is a great city country also and I'm sure there's a lot of things happening there and even developers over here are doing projects internationally too mm -hmm. they're starting to do projects in say Marbella Muscat I went to Muscat uh, a few months ago a project called Ida on the hill beautiful and we've actually sold some units already over there wow. um, it's by developer Dar al Arkan which is a Saudi developer yeah. doing it in, in Oman so you're seeing uh, local developers over here doing international projects and that obviously attracts us to kind of like coincide and work with them on their international pro products. And from an off-plan perspective, how important is it to have those relationships with the developers? Uh, it's very important. I mean, I'm, I'm visiting them on calls with them on daily, weekly basis for the last like 10 years. Uh, you have to relations in this in our in our field is very important because you're also updated with what's going on and what they're planning to do so you're up to date say you know they're launching a new master community or a new building so you're up to date to what's going on so you can inform your team guess what that's what's going to come on so let your clients or your potential clients that you're talking to what's coming in the next week or two or a month that helps in the sales process also you mentioned before that you know other cities will try and copy what Dubai, but you know from a consumer point of view, it does feel like a machine. You know, we we see a press event, say with Muhammad Al Abar and Shah Rukh Khan, and I know, was there that day. Really? Yeah, 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 and like there. an hour later, it's on Instagram with people already trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's amazing, isn't it? And then I looked up the sort of the project called Oasis, and I looked up on Google Maps, and it's already there. Yeah. I was just like, wow! I drove by that area a few yeah. weeks ago, and it's just desert, and then suddenly it's a $20 billion investment. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> they can yeah. do it. I mean, they will develop it and build it. I've seen it. I mean, from you not being in the industry, I've seen it. Like, you know, when the dream is like, they, they present something and they said, we're going to build it. And it's built like Dubai Hills. I've seen it when it was a desert. Downtown. I remember when I arrived to Dubai, it was a desert. There was nothing there. There was called a roundabout. They existed there. It was called Defense Roundabout. And you would drive and it was just a locked desert. And then you just saw later on and just a small blip coming up like this Burj Khalifa. And you're like, could that be Burj Khalifa or could it not be? And look where yeah. it is today and how downtown is. You could never imagine, which was what, 2005 and six. It was just desert. Yeah. It's crazy. And how it's all developed. And yeah, you're seeing communities come out of shrooming up and are beautiful communities. Yeah, they Everywhere. are very livable as well, and that's enhanced a lot as well. But talk a little bit about how competitive it is. Like, you know, from that narrative of, you know, the, the developer announces something and then all of a sudden all the brokers uh, are ready to sort of put it in front of their clients. How sort of competitive is it? Look, it's very competitive even uh, just after COVID. I mean, we had like maybe 6,000 brokers. I don't know how many companies existed. Today, I think we're over 18,000 in just a short period. It's a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is people that are coming that don't really understand the city, the regulation or the processes, and they're giving the wrong advice to clients. And I, I get that because we have clients coming to our office and they'll tell me, yeah, I bought a unit there. The agent told me buy it and sell it in two months time. 
All right, no, you can't do that, my friend. Even if you wanted to sell it, you're not going to be able to sell it because you have to have paid a certain amount and there's not going to be demand yet because probably maybe the developer might still have some inventory of that same particular unit. Mm. So people are just giving the wrong advice, the wrong information, which is not very, very good, um, unfortunately. But that's what happens when something grows very, very fast, right? Um, but the good thing also is that, you know, people are loving it. They're moving over here. It's a great city. Yeah, <laughs> Agents are making money. Clients are making money who are buying. And, and do you think, uh, yeah, so just in that example, uh, so, you know, sorry, so if you have all those agents, how, how do you, who regulates all that as well as the, how do you know that there's 18,000 basically? I mean, on, on the Rero website, obviously yeah. you got registered brokers, but there's always a lot more brokers and the registered brokers yeah i mean you've got companies you can see they've got 300 brokers but if you go online they only got 100 brokers majority of them probably are selling uh, the off-plant stuff so they didn't really do the whole rare certificate and all of that i mean we're always compiling uh emails and all of this and that's where we kind of based on we're around the eighteen thousand mark and the twenty thousand mark of brokers exists in dubai right now do you ever think that brokers might need uh the real estate firm and that like with social media, they can go out on their own. I mean, uh, I mean, agents have been doing that, but the strength of a company is very important in terms of the upsells and the services like Provenant. Why do people stay with us? Because they can offer their clients a lot more services than just being a one-man show. And it is getting harder to be a one-man show. Why? I mean, because you got you got to do your VAT, you got to do your invoicing, follow up with the developer on payments, follow up with your client, him making payments. There's so much admin work why would you want to do that when you can just be focused on selling yeah and i think that's the benefit of companies like provident why people stay with us and the services and the training and the relations with the developers being updated with what's going on and developers with a company or when they've dealt with me for 15 years are up i'm up to date a lot more than an individual so i don't think that's going to change i think it's only going to be more that there's going to be big brands and obviously you have independent brokers that work under a brand i think that's how it will continue yeah and as you said selling is one part but collections and all the admin there's a lot of work maybe software can help but it's still it's you might be good at one thing but there's many skills in the business 100 percent, yeah and you know, i know we've been focused a lot about sort of the residential market but you know let's talk a little bit about the commercial yeah. market in, in the uae what people kind of say it's unpredictable you know we're in we're in um production city here at the moment yeah. which is leasehold there aren't that many commercial places that that are freehold um, do you have some interest from clients around commercial and how does that work? You see, I mean, uh, in the last few years, I have not really seen any developers launching commercial projects. Okay. And I was even thinking about that, uh, you know, a couple of days ago that, you know, there something needs to be done about it. Um, there is, I'm sure there is demand. Uh, we have a commercial department. Um, there's a lack of inventory of good commercial uh, space over here. So I do think that's something that's going to come back later yeah. on definitely some of the towers do both residential and commercial Yeah, very few very, very few, few though okay interesting but no new commercial towers have been launched yeah like emar haven't launched commercial tower neither has Damat, shoba okay any of the master developers that we've worked with the big ones have not launched the commercial tower for uh, quite a while actually that's really interesting like they they say that you know with um 
you know, in the US, there's a lot of commercial prop units that are, aren't filled. But in this region, we've got so many licenses open that you have to have addresses Correct, yeah. that there's probably going to be a lack of supply soon. 100% I agree. And that's why I think people need to start looking at our commercial. Interesting. Um, one of the things that just kind of anecdotally, we hear a lot about, you mentioned sort of flipping where people think that they can s sell it straight away off plan. Mm. But then another trend that people are doing now is um, buying and fitting Refurb, out, yeah. refurbing it. And is that a new trend? And how did they make such margins on it? Yeah, no, it's good. It, it, it's been happening. I mean, if you told me six, seven years ago about refurbishing yeah. and everything, I would have told you no, no way. <laughs> but there's been a trend because, you know, the, the profile of people that have come to Dubai are different you got a lot of these Europeans that have moved over here and they just want to buy something and move into it right and they want of a higher quality so a lot of the houses yes they may have built like 10 12 years ago say at the Springs yeah Emirates living you got the meadows they were nicely developed but they were developed like 12 years ago 10 years ago so they needed refurbishing an upgrade so people started buying them refurbishing them and, and selling them. So I've got friends who are refurbishing villa, say in Jamero Golf Estate. He bought a villa for like uh, seven and a half million. He refurbished it, bought like two and a half million, sold it for like 12 and a half million. So he made like maybe 20, 30% on his money within six months. Wow. And I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people do that right now, actually. I mean, in, in, the, in the Palm Jumeirah, a lot of these old garden homes and the signature villas, the old ones, people are buying them refurbishing them and selling them at double the price even making like a lot more uh, than you can imagine and it is happening i know it's happening but the logic question is why don't you just buy it cheap and refurb it yourself i mean some people don't want to go through that hassle of going through an architect designer the whole process of doing it i just buy it and move in yeah if you see something nice finished that's yeah. done up you want to live in it 100 percent yeah, interesting. So, uh, you know, before we finish, we talked a little bit about the region, but you've been here 15 years. Uh, what do you think of the region? How optimistic are you about it? You know, I'm very optimistic and that's why I'm here and that's why I keep on investing. Well, that's why we're growing and scaling our business. I'm a firm believer. And like I said, I mean, I feel I'm a byproduct of Dubai and it's a success. So we're not going anywhere. We're gonna if we're gonna branch out, we're gonna branch out with a city where it's going. You know, amazing. And you're a young, energetic guy, so, so you much. probably have a lot uh, in store for the future. We'll follow Provident Real Estate. Thanks for sharing the time, the way. Appreciate. It. Thank you so much for your invitation. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Thank So I hope everyone has joined the long weekend and you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, extra day off in the UAE on Friday for the Hijra New Year. That was a brilliant interview with Louis. He's got a lot of personality. I hope that came across in the audio part, but you can also check it out on video on smashy.tv apps, website, smart TV, wherever. Uh, you can also check out clips of this on our social profiles. Do uh, sign up for a free trial uh, and thank you to our producers. Ali, Ali Khalil and Shahir Al-Kindi put the show together. There'll be an article in Love in Dubai as well. Uh, and this has been a smashy business production as part of the Augustus Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week with another interview.